0: Welcome to Ignite Your Confidence for women in leadership who want to speak up and stand out. I'm your host, Karen Laus. Here, you'll get all of the tips and tools that you need to stand out with unshakable confidence. Let's jump in to today's episode. So this episode is really fun because I feel like Sue and I go way back now, way back over the last year, oh, through our clubhouse journey And without further ado, Sue, please tell us about you and anything else that you'd like to share before
1: we jump in. Karen, I love that. We go way back that whole year. (laughs) (laughs) But what but what a year it's been. Uh, It's been such a joy to to meet you. It really has. Uh, A little bit about me. Okay, so I am a, I like to describe myself as an inside out leadership coach. And I work with women who are on a mission to make the world better in some way. And what I've noticed in the time that I've been running my coaching practice is that it's really easy for women to think that to make something better, they have to do more. Mm. Uh, we're very we're easily addicted, I think, to, to doing. Um, and I describe myself as the inside out leadership coach, because in my experience, it's not often that we need to do more, but simply that we need to be more. So I work with people to help them understand who they are and who they need to be from the inside out, their values and beliefs, their identity, and their ultimate purpose in being of service to the world or their world, depending on the change that they want to make. So hence, hence inside out leadership.
0: It's so beautiful. Well, and I love how you also embody what you preach for lack of a better word, you embody what you you live out, what you are doing in service to others. And I'm very struck by something that we talked about just before hitting record around your confidence journey. Would mm. you share more about that?
1: Yeah, I've written a book since you sent me the question. Um, <laughs> I, I was really surprised, Karen, when, um, when I opened your email, my initial reaction was Karen wants me to talk about my confidence journey. I don't know if I have one. <laughs> um, and I, it didn't feel like I had one. And so in true Sue style, I sat down in front of the laptop and tried to think what I would write or, or say. Um, and testing out whether or not I have a confidence journey made me realize that, um, that at some point in my Younger childhood, there was a point at which I stopped feeling confident,
0: hmm. and
1: um, which I guess means that as a teeny tiny tot, it never occurred to me not to be yes. not to be confident. Which I, I guess is is often common sense, but it's not something we perhaps naturally explore. Um, and I think what I realised was, whilst I may not have understood what it was to be confident as a child. I reached a point where I learned that being confident didn't equal being popular. I've used lots of negatives in there. So I'm hoping Say that one more time. It. Yeah. Say that one more time. Cause that's, so cool. I, I reached a point where I realized that being confident didn't equal being popular. And that as a child, I may have, have, have confused or conflated uh, popularity with confidence. Um, I'm not sure that I realized, as I say, that I was confident before that moment, but losing confidence is is the more significant memory that I was able to tap into when I was thinking about where did my confidence journey start? It started with suddenly becoming unconfident. And um, my relationship with confidence as a child was as a performer. Um, My brother was expected to sing, And I was expected to recite or perform in plays or drama of of some sort. Um, And there was a a bit of a juxtaposition there, I think, in that if I was in the company of adults, uh, I had quite elderly parents, you know, parenthood at that time. Um, So we were definitely in the seen and not heard generation. That's for sure. If you were in the company of adults. Until the point in the family visit where the children were brought out to perform. It sounds a little bit like something out of the sound of music, doesn't it? Yes, I was just thinking that. It wasn't wasn't that grand. There was no staircase or anything. (laughs) Um, But we were very much expected to to perform. And then as I grew older, I realised that that confidence wasn't something that made me popular with other children. Mm. um there was something about the importance in in children's company there was something about the importance of fitting in and blending sure. and in my parents company you were expected not just to stand out but to be outstanding um I was regularly submitted to competitions and uh, all sorts of you know performance opportunities and you know oh. fail, failure certainly wasn't an option, uh, not not as I recall yeah. it. I'm sure my parents may have a different memory of it, but <laughs> um but for me, it never felt like failure was a was a popular option at home. You were expected to to perform and to do well. They had invested money in your education, and therefore they wanted to see something um see something in return. So there was definitely a parental expectation to perform and to do well and to stand out. Um, And I can remember really in that kind of late childhood, early teens, um, you know, the the more they wanted me to stand out, the more I wanted to blend in so that I wasn't, um, it wasn't different to to other children. So there was definitely a a battle at some point in childhood between this, this sense of confidence and performance um, and wanting, wanting to be popular and to blend in and and, be part of the crowd. So um, I'm not really sure where that, yeah, you know, how that kind of progressed in, in teenage years. But I guess the next, the next point that I recognized in my journey, as I was thinking about your question, was that I then moved into a profession that was all about assessment and validation. Now, you'll be probably be pleased to hear that, given I'm a nurse <laughs> first. <laughs> you'll be pleased <laughs> to know that I was yeah. assessed. For the skills and the experience that I had before I was let loose on the general public. Um, <laughs> but what I realized there's such a gift in your question. So thank you. Thank you for this opportunity, Karen. Yes, um, of course. I love what it. I, what I realized was that that was really the start of my journey where confidence now became about external validation, your proficiency in something depended on somebody else's opinion and assessment of you and if you were good at that thing then that gave you confidence to go and do more of that thing Mm -hmm. so somewhere in those like late teens early 20s in my first career confidence became something different and it became about other it still became about other people but this time it was about proficiency so that was quite interesting because in my work now, this balance of internal and external validation is hugely important when people come and talk about wanting to make an impact in the change yes. that they that they want to lead. And, and, and you'll get that with the work that you do. So I then rolled forward a few more years, if that's OK, in my in my story. Of course. I thought about the leadership roles that I that I'd taken and I decided perhaps there I confused bravery with confidence Uh, so this may or may not be unusual I don't know I would look for roles that really interested me and often they were roles that were a big step up or they were perhaps things that were different to things that not only I had done before but that other people had done before Uh, and I had I I guess an unshakable belief that if I took on something that was big and complex and difficult nobody would let me screw up because it wasn't in anybody's best interests for me to do so. So I went through my 30s in roles in this with this sense of I might get my ass kicked a few times, but but that's the worst that can happen because everybody needs this project to succeed. Therefore, I will learn. I will grow. um, I will achieve it with the support of those around me. Sometimes that was a little naive. I've got to be honest. But it never really occurred to me, looking back, that I wouldn't succeed. Never, never occurred to me because it was in nobody's best interests for me to screw up. That's,
0: That's really amazing. Easy looking
1: back, isn't it?
0: It's a I, fascinating way to see things.
1: <laughs> I've been told that many times, Karen. I often have a very strange way of seeing things. <laughs> um, but that is one of the oddest, I think. That's why I said to you earlier, I'm so grateful for the, the gift you gave me. Wow. In this question, because I've never sat and thought about it this way. So, and I wonder sometimes I wonder why I don't really get imposter syndrome, literally, <laughs> and and I think that's why, um because it, I always left it for other people to decide whether my weaknesses were a fit or not, because I knew I was going into a role to play to my strengths. So. So yeah, that, that really made me look back at some of the roles and, and get a really different insight into what confidence has and hasn't been. And then that brought me you know, to seven years ago, that might be eight, I've lost count, uh, when I set up my own business. And I think that was when I began to understand the real importance of true confidence. Um, and, and confidence from the inside out, exactly as I was describing earlier, in terms of how I work with other people. That sort of confidence that comes from a sense of internal self-validation, not the validation of, of others. And I, I don't know about you um, in, in your journey with this, but I remember a real tussle in terms of self-identity. Mm-hmm. And I remember very clearly when I said, I don't know, I always had a label that had always been a label attached to a role profile that declared who I currently am at this stage in my life. And suddenly there was, there was no label. There was my business name and there was me and there was that amorphous label coach that nobody ever really quite knows what it means or what it might involve. <laughs> um, and and I, somebody said to me, you, you get to choose. Now it's your own business. You get to choose your identity. Nice. I didn't really know how to do that, um, and I had to start to work through what that journey of self-validation looks like when you can no longer rely on other people's opinion, assessment, outward validation. Um, I needed to, I needed to learn to trust myself. Um, and to find evidence to enable my mental monkeys to stop playing long enough to do that, because they could run amok at the best of at the best of times. And uh, this might be a really strange analogy that I'm going to share with you now, but my coaching clients will tell you that I liken this experience to a root canal filling.
0: Oh my <laughs> gosh! Tell me more. <laughs> tell us more.
1: <laughs> so. Um, I know it's an odd analogy, but I think everybody remembers it when I use it. So I once had a root canal filling uh, with a dentist who had an ego the size of Cardiff uh, here in the UK. And um, he was very, very, very keen to tell me how good he was and how important it was that he was probably the only person who could have saved the juice. And he explained that it needed to be filled and the filling needed to be layered incredibly carefully because even a hole the size of a grain of sand could let infection in so in his willing you know in his eagerness to tell me just how, how good he was and he clearly thought he was the best and I still have the tooth so maybe he was <laughs> um, I think our monkey mind is exactly the same I think we have to layer in the evidence for us to trust really, really carefully and consistently, because the tiniest hole in our evidence infects our thinking and up up we get that inflammation of self-doubt to just to continue the, the analogy further. Um, you know our self-doubt and self-belief will just rip through um, if there's if there's even a tiny hole in our in our evidence. But when the mind can't find the hole, it learns to believe the evidence. And so the stronger our layers, I'm sat here layering it through, if anybody's not watching it on video, but in my hands, because I can see it kind of layering now through yeah. uh, you know, through the crevasse, really. Mm-hmm. And, and often that's what it feels like, isn't it? When we're looking to find evidence on which to trust ourselves, it can feel like we're in a really deep, deep crevasse, not there, something much bigger than a solitary tooth, that's for sure. Um, but when we find that evidence on which to trust ourselves, that for me is where we build our inside-out confidence. Oh, yeah. That's a really long journey, isn't it?
0: That's beautiful. <laughs> well, I love the analogy of that, the tooth. That is a really good one. And even the word inflammation, I'd never thought about that related to self-doubt. That's really powerful right there. I mean, what a, what a good analogy.
1: It is that, wow. isn't it? That's exactly what it does. It inflames. We allow it to infect and inflame everything. Yeah. And I and I exactly. often think, why is self doubt the only doubt that we don't doubt?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Isn't that the truth?
1: There's there's the irony, isn't it? Yeah, it's The it's only so doubt true. that we don't.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: I, I find that incredible. It is amazing. We're so <laughs> willing to believe it.
0: Yes. Yes. We're so willing. And that is where we go (laughs) spiraling downward, or we continue to solidify those patterns. It's kind of like in the old, um, the old days of the wagon wheels, when they can get stuck in a rut over time and hard to actually physically, (laughs) well, not that I was there. (laughs) (laughs) I sound like I was there, but when they're so physically ground in, it's hard to lift them up and get out, get on a new path. and.
1: Yeah. We get into that rut, don't we? Right, and it's incredibly exactly. hard. It's incredibly hard to find yeah. the thing to, to, to move the wheel.
0: Right. And
1: um, so, so that for me is, as, as it's, I don't know, I always think of that dentist and he was a strange chap, um, clearly very good at his job. And, and as I say, I certainly was left in no doubt of that, but, um, but it always really works for me in terms of thinking about that. It has to be layered so carefully. And I think when we look for evidence of things that we do well, we start to build that space where nothing can get in and then our mind goes there first. And that's where we, that's where I think we, we, we fall in line really with the belief um, in the way that we express ourselves because the mind doesn't start going in 65 different directions. It says, oh, Sue Revel, she wanted, she needs to go here now Um, because she's, she's done the work. She's, she's done the work.
0: And that's, that's really powerful. When just to land on what you just said, what's one of the things that you've done, if you could give us a specific example, especially for other people that are out there, maybe feeling some doubt or trying to figure out, well, what do I actually do when you say she's done the work? What's one step that someone could take to do the work?
1: I would say, make a list of the things that you have done. So whatever that area is that you are feeling less than confident in um where where is the evidence to the to the contrary get out you get out your pen and a piece of paper because actually that's much more useful than typing very often and actually journal i i would i would tell a a client typically to try and write at least a page of a list of a list of things Mm
0: -hmm. so it's not you're not you're not looking
1: for three things You you really want 30
0: um, okay allow,
1: allow your mind to yeah. allow, allow yourself to stretch your mind to sit with it to 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 be thinking about that as you drive to the store or as you're taking the you you drop the kids off and you're coming back, you know, or uh, I, I don't know. For me, the bet the best place. I, would, I guess I would say take yourself to the best place to go and do some big thinking because that's always yeah. really useful. If you've got that luxury and there's somewhere that enables you to, to think bigger, then go and make the longest list that you can because this is years of evidence that that you want to build. But yeah. actually, each time those mental monkeys would would try and distract you that you can go actually just and there's this one and there's this one and there's this one. And they might be really small. Um, You know, if, if you're really struggling to start that list, then I would say find the smallest thing that you did that made the biggest impact because leverage is so powerful mm-hmm. Um, in persuading our in persuading our monkey mind. Yes. Um, of, of of you know of, of that evidence that we need to build on so f- find the one small thing and you know what it's like once you've got one thing on a list other things will just pop into your mind and it's about allowing them to do so yeah. I know other people for instance who would also another way of doing this um, might be to actually ask yourself that question before you go to bed and trust your unconscious mind to deliver that overnight oh, and pick up your cool. pen the next morning that's pick up your pen crazy. the next morning and see what see what has come to mind overnight but don't curse me if they arrive at 4 a.m because that's sometimes what happens isn't it you wake up with your list and be grateful be grateful for that 4 a.m call I love it Can not you find that
0: though? yes yes <laughs> I do believe me lots of times when I'm waking up like oh I have this idea and then it's a matter of Getting out of bed enough to actually (laughs) write it down. That's that's the other challenge. Well, Sue, tell us, give us an example for you about you. What are one or two things that you wrote down on that list when you did it the first time, or maybe when you've done it recently?
1: Do you know what, one of mine would be quite recent um, because one of the things I have struggled with recently in terms of confidence uh, is dealing with menopause. And so that's that's really current for me right now. Um, and, and I'm lucky compared to many women that I do not have massive symptoms, but I have one system, one symptom that has a massive impact. And that's what I've lovingly named menopause Um, the the whole brain fog um that accompanies menopause is is like nothing I've ever experienced. Oh. And um, and I struggle for words, I struggle for memories, and I think that. I think that obviously going through uh, COVID season, as one of our mutual friends calls it, um, has done nothing to help that because with everything taking place on screen for a year, we haven't had the opportunity to plant memories in time or space or colour or experience in the same way that would help us to, to recall experiences. So um, I've had to go back a little bit deeper to find the evidence of where I have been really sharp in my thinking. And one example of that was uh, one of those projects that I undertook uh, when I thought, thought no, nobody will let me screw up here. Uh, and it was very true because it was opening a children's hospital. So nobody wants you to screw up on that one.
0: Oh my God. And,
1: and in the moments where I lose confidence about my ability to think, i take myself back to running a project that had 64 different working groups running at the same time wow and reassure myself that somewhere deep inside is the person that managed that project with that level of complexity and sometimes that's about here's my here's my evidence for self belief and for and for believing you know for remembering that i could do it and that that person is still in there But also for trusting myself that those skills, even though I can't execute them in the same way right now, those skills are still part of who I am. And and I think that's where the definition of confidence does shift for me, because very often we apply a definition of confidence that's about what we do. Um, And I I rather like um, I don't know whether you know this book, Karen, I love it. It's Barbara Barbara Angelis's
0: oh, little I pink
1: think. book about confidence. Oh,
0: always,
1: my clients always know that I've gone for the little pink book if I want to share something with them.
0: <laughs> what is um, this, the name and the author again? Uh, Barbara
1: de Angelis, and the book is called "Confidence: Your Ultimate Guide to Finding It and Living It." Wow! You know me, I've always got a book recommendation. Somewhere.
0: Yes, that's a beautiful title.
1: And she and she would agree with the conversation that you know you and I have previously had about confidence is is based on who we are. The moment that we mm-hmm. the moment that we place our confidence in what we do, um, or something that we're skilled at, we actually lose confidence because um, it's, our confidence needs to be founded in our trust in ourselves and not the outcomes or the products of what we do. Otherwise, the moment something goes wrong with one thing, or we fail to achieve the outcome that we wanted in one area, um, we actually, I guess we fall victim really to to, to the sense of the moment, rather than relying on the trust, the evidence that we can build in ourselves. She has a, a lovely quote, she says, when you base your confidence on who you are instead of what you accomplish, You have created something that no one or no circumstance can ever take away from you. And that's where I think that inside out confidence is really, really important. So that in those moments where maybe you're doing something that you do feel less confident with, that you feel really brave for even tackling, it's that's simply about the thing that you're doing. It's about your behavior. It's not about who you are. Um, that's and that's really important, I think, to building our confidence and trusting who we are from the inside out.
0: Wow. That's, that's really, that's, oh, it's just so rich because like you and well, I don't want to speak for you. Let me just say like many people in the world, and certainly the way that I grew up is that it was all about my value was placed in what I could produce. Yeah. Yeah it it's it's amazing to me the more that i continue to live in the world and the more i get older and the more i meet more people how common this is for many of us as human beings and so even to what i just said there unintentionally we are human beings not human doings doings yeah yeah and so what could you tell us as far as a tip to help us be rather than do
1: <laughs> well, I think you've, you've just named a beautiful one, really C- you know, placing that focus on being a human being and not, not a human doing, um, thinking, thinking about who you are, who you want to be, how you want to be seen and remembered can often be a really helpful, um, positioner in that. I think, mm-hmm. uh, it really can help us to lift our, to lift our focus to what we want what we want others to see in us, mm-hmm. and uh, Maya Angelou, that beautiful, famous quote about you know people will remember. Uh, I'm going to get the quote the wrong way now, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, oh,
0: people um, will remember. They won't remember what you did.
1: They'll remember how you made them feel. I yeah. think it's the equivalent of that. It's the it's the experience that people have of you that yeah. takes us to that important place that enables us to think about who we are being in the world rather than just what we are doing. What we do has a place, but it needs to fall out of who we are being and not the other way around.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, shifting for a moment, what is the best advice you've ever received?
1: (sighs) Oh, my word, Karen, didn't know you were going to ask that one. Um, (laughs) I think... The best piece of advice, I'm, I'm torn there between what are the best, some, some of the best bits of advice I have been given um, actually fell out of questions that were, that were life changing. But uh, to stick to the spirit of the question, the best piece of advice I've ever received was on a, I think it was my very first management training course when I was around late 20s, early 30s. And I went to, I think it may have been a time management day thought and uh, I'm grimacing if you're not looking at the camera right now um but but actually the piece of advice was really important it was the only time I think in my career that somebody has told me you are now paid to think and that has often struck with me uh it often struck with me through paid employment at, at different leadership levels um, and remembering, you know, really calling that uh, to mind in those moments where it's really easy to get carried away again with the doing um, and and not stopping to consider my responsibilities in terms of thinking. But you know, it's just as important now I have my own business. because again, it's really tempted to, keep doing the things that bring the money in the all the stuff in the background as you and I have discussed previously that that go towards making that happen it's running your own business isn't isn't just what you do it's all the things that support what you do in, or, in order that people know about you and, and the work that you accomplish particularly if you work out with people online so there's always a lot of tasks to undertake and it's really easy I think to get lost tired, frustrated uh, with those things that you're learning. Gosh, it's a huge journey when you set up your own own business, all the things you never ever dreamed you would need to to know and be able to do or outsource. Um, And there have been definite moments where I know I have sat right here in this seat and simply reminded myself that I'm still paid to think
0: Mm.
1: uh, and that thinking and planning is as important as executing and doing. So, yeah, that's always been, I think, the single most important piece of management advice, certainly, that I've ever received. Yeah. Some of the questions that I've been asked have been way more practical. And you're like this because we know each other in the way that we do. It was a friend who once asked me, have you ever considered going to bed on the same day as you wake up?
0: (laughs) I have to think about that.
1: I if had to think about it too.
0: Going to bed on the same day, same
1: day you as you woke up. up. Okay, and for those of us who go to bed after midnight on a regular yeah. basis, you're right. Um, it was the most beautifully worded piece of advice, you know, <laughs> 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 At a very, very practical level. So if you're out there and you're a night owl like Karen and I, um, yes, maybe, maybe that's a maybe that's one to remember too. It's definitely a very interesting question to ask someone.
0: It is. It is. But it does so make you, it think. you think. It does. It does make you think. So. Oh my goodness. Wow. Well, I want to ask you one more question as we wrap up. Okay. Tell us about a time when you didn't speak up but wished that you had.
1: Oh, gosh. Do you know, there have been a few, Karen? Um, and I guess, ironically, the, um, the most recent would be the four years where I didn't launch my podcast. Oh, wow. Which is a slightly different interpretation. I appreciate your question. Say more about that. Well, what I'm thinking is I, as I think through my answer to that and why, why it feels important to share is that often I listen to people who struggle to find their own voice. And I knew I had a voice. Everybody told me I had a voice. Most people told me I had the voice for podcasting. Um, And I still didn't do it. And I procrastinated for four years. And now that I'm launching, uh, no, episode 25 is currently live. It makes me realize that was quite foolish. I feel that there were a number of wasted opportunities uh, to boost my build, my business to learn more about me undoubtedly because I'm definitely learning as much about myself as I learn about any guest through um, through going through that process um, it's made me shift my own focus more and more from again doing to being um, it's teaching me how much I have learned about business because it's a bit like running a new business. Mm-hmm. Um, all the things that you put sure. into place as I'm sure you would agree are no different to running your main co- uh, speaker coaching practice so you're doing the same things and hopefully doing them better quicker uh you know than than the first time around and there are there are just moments where I think oh I wonder where I'd be now um In fact, I know somebody who started around the time as I was thinking, and I think I think when I'm when I've got episode 25 live, she's on well over 250. So I can't even measure the difference. Oh, my Um, God. But I'm not going there. This is this isn't about comparison. Right. Um, But I but I do. And I think it's really important to say that. But I do think um, that if there was a point at which I wish I had spoken up in a different way, it will be. Uh, that I wish I'd launched the podcast. There's another part of me, of course, that knows that it's absolutely the perfect time. Yes. That The person who, who runs my podcast or hosts my podcast now isn't the person I was four years ago. And that I it is a better show
0: mm-hmm. because Sue mm-hmm. now
1: runs it rather than Sue then. Yeah. So I'm very sane about it. But just for a moment there, you caught me with your question of there is, you know, <laughs> That there's a time that I could have spoken out and made a different decision, um, but I will trust myself from the inside out that um, that it's live at the perfect time for the audience that need to hear it.
0: That's beautiful. Well, that's a really good place to wrap up for all of us too. You now. ask
1: great questions, Karen.
0: Oh, thank you. You
1: really do make people think. I love that.
0: <laughs> thank it's you. It's good
1: to be made to think. Thank you it's been You're a welcome. Gift.
0: Well, I'm so glad. Tell us where we can reach you.
1: Oh, my word. Now, there's a question I haven't prepared for. <laughs> uh, my Well, my, let's start with the podcast. The podcast is the Women on a Mission show, and Karen is one of my forthcoming guests. So if you haven't had enough of Karen on this wonderful show of hers, you really need to come and listen to her talking on mine, where I get to, uh, I get to put the questions. So come and come and hear some of Karen's amazing answers and her experience of being a woman on a mission. Uh, I also run a Facebook group, which is the Women on a Mission Facebook group. So that's nice and easy to remember. Uh, other than that, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, or simply come and find me at my website, SueRevel.com.
0: Awesome. So great, Sue. Thanks so much and have a wonderful evening. I know it's my morning, it's your evening and hopefully we won't stay up too late.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I might even try and go to bed the same day as I woke up, Karen. (laughs) Unlikely, but I might try.
0: (laughs) Nice, have a good one. And that's a wrap of another episode of Ignite Your Confidence. I'm your host, Karen Laus. Thank you so much for listening. If you love today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps other people find the podcast faster, and it certainly helps me. If you're interested in more tips and tools around confidence, please join me over in my Facebook group called Ignite Your Confidence with Karen Laus. Remember, you too can stand out with unshakable confidence.